thankful for the opportunity to come and celebrate with you and uh, wish you another 31 years of faithful service. Uh, I don't think we have that long, but I'll wish it to you anyway. Uh, the way things are going, we may not have 31 days left, but uh, we're closer than we've ever been before, amen? And I uh, thank God for your faithfulness and uh, for the example uh, to others that if we just keep putting one step in front of another spiritually, God will bless and raise up a ministry which is effective, not just here in Grafton, but is heard of throughout all corners of Australia and other parts of the world. So I'm thankful for you, and I wish you the very best in the days ahead. Take your Bibles, would you please? Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Gospel of John, chapter 20. And I want us to think for a few minutes tonight about this wonderful Bible, the Scriptures. I want us to think about something that is said here, and then we're going to turn to another passage as well. But in John chapter 20, we see the apostle having given us his understanding of the ministry of Christ and the earthly walk and his relationship to the Lord in many he comes down in verse 30 he said in many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book and of course if you know uh, the end of the book it says in verse 25 of chapter 21, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for the blessing of having the eternal, inerrant word of God in our hand. I'm thankful for this great country which still allows us the privilege to be able to hold the sacred writ and to possess it without fear of recrimination. Lord, we know that there are many adversaries trying to change it, pollute it, destroy it, take it away from God-fearing people. But we thank you tonight that we have the Bible. We have the record that God gave us of his son. And Lord, I pray tonight, if there be one here tonight who has never trusted Christ as their Savior, that the word of God would find good ground in their heart, that the Holy Ghost of God would bring about the needed conviction and convincing where they would turn from themselves and their doubt and fear and Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And Lord, for those of us who can remember that time and place where we did, in fact, hear the word of God in truth and we turned deliberately and decidedly from ourselves and from our 
preconceived ideas and even our religious experience and we flung ourselves at the foot of the cross by faith. Lord, we're grateful that you accepted us in the Beloved. Lord, I pray tonight that there would be a work done in our hearts to create a greater appreciation, a greater thankfulness for this precious Bible. That we might not only learn to peruse it, and meditate and memorize it and hide it in our heart, but we would also be so familiarized with it that it's part of our speech pattern when we deal with people. And Lord, I pray you'll honor the Word of God tonight, that you'll multiply it amongst us, that the Lord Jesus, the eternal Word of God, would be lifted up, and you would get glory, not only as we remember your faithfulness in this 31 years, but throughout all generations. We'll thank you now for what you'll do in Christ's name, amen. Uh, verse 31, back in John chapter 20, says, And these are written... That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Now, these things are written. Um, I'm just so glad that I've got a complete word, not just one page of scripture as some people have. I'm thankful that I have more than just a testament, but I have a complete canon of scriptures inspired by Almighty God, holy men of God, moved by the Spirit of God to write down what the Lord gave them, 40 uh, men over 1,500 years, all in agreement that God is love, God is great, Christ is the creator, sustainer, and redeemer. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Uh, I'm thankful that we don't serve a dead Savior, but we serve a living Lord who can take this book by his spirit and he can uh, cut away the dross and the unbelief and cut away the things which are keeping people from seeing clearly the claims of Christ about God's love for them and the great rescue that God has provided. These things are written. Now, there's been a lot of writing in this world, as a matter of fact. Uh, lots of philosophy, lots of different religions have their writings. But uh, the thing that sets this particular writing aside from anyone else is that it is living. It's inspired, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's like a mirror. And you and I can look in this wonderful book and we can see ourselves as we really are. Not just the outside, but we can see within. The inner man that's so lost, so undone, so unholy, so ungodly in this present world. And the Bible tells us that God loved us so. Even though we were yet sinners, he let Christ die for us. And I'm thankful that the Bible reports that and faithfully does it, not just day in and week in and week out and month in and month out, but throughout my lifetime it hasn't changed. Throughout history, 
The Bible still records for us even tonight, though man has tried to do everything he can to whittle it down, dilute it. Yet the Bible still is the power of God. The record that God gave us of his son. These things are written that you may believe on the name of the son of God that you may in believing have life through his name. Now, all of us, most of us here tonight would agree we've heard the truth that we must hear. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, it may not be all of the Bible. It may not be uh, just the New Testament. It may only be a few verses. It may be that you've only ever heard John 3.16, what is called the most favorite verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe that's the only verse you ever, ever have heard. And yet, it is only the word of God that can stir the soul by the spirit of God to where you would want to say, Lord, I believe. But most of us have heard more than that. Most of us have heard it from earliest of life. It's been my joy to watch many of your families come into being. Every couple of years, the Lord's afforded me the opportunity to come and to participate in the ministry here with Pastor and, and uh, with your church. And it's a great joy to see families growing up. And uh, we have preached many times how important and how valuable and how indispensable the Bible is to your family and to your life as an individual. And uh, I know that in the world in which we live today that none of us are going to make it through until next Sunday without the Word of God. Uh, the world is, uh, is uh, so far gone and so shattered and such in a tremendous destructive power in the life of families today. The devil is not our friend, of course, and is our arch enemy, and he's attacked the Word of God from the very beginning because he knows full well that that's the good medicine we need and the vitamins and the minerals and the sustenance we need for our eternal souls and our spirit. So the Word of God is an essential. And uh, as he says here, these things are written. Moses received the written record of God on the mount. And uh, you and I have been blessed to have been given a Bible, maybe in Sunday school. Didn't weigh as much as the tablets, I'm sure. And there's more in it now than just the commandments. But you and I have had a great blessing having the Word of God. And many of us can attest and testify to the fact that it's changed our life. It wasn't Plato. It wasn't Socrates. It wasn't Confucius. And it wasn't Buddha. And it certainly wasn't Mohammed that changed my life. Now that's just a sampling. But there are about 3,500 recognizable religious systems in the world tonight with significant followers. And none of them changed my life. But this Bible did. This Bible, supernaturally, wonderfully, uniquely, unusually, 
caused me to turn about from a self-directed, self-seeking way and believe on the person of the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ. These things are written. Uh, the Bible also tells us in several places that it's not only living, but it's forever settled. It's uh, unchanged, unchanging, and it's settled in glory in heaven. This book, by the way, is going to be opened at the judgment. And uh, we will be judged out of that which we have observed and failed to observe in the Bible. We're going to receive loss or gain of reward as a believer. But as an unsaved person, this Bible will also be opened with the other books of heaven, the records of glory, the annals of God, to judge you as an unsaved person, having never trusted Christ, you will be justly adjudicated and sentenced by the eternal judge, Jesus Christ, to an everlasting eternity, separate from him and tormented in the flames. The Bible. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Turn with me back to Matthew chapter 4. You might keep your place there in John. We'll probably come back to it in a minute. But Matthew chapter 4. We recognize this as the record of the Lord Jesus being tempted by the devil. Uh, and we want to see how the Lord Jesus handled the devil. And if he can handle the devil, and uh, uh, we can handle the devil with what he said here. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, it's hard to imagine my mind fasting 40 days and 40 nights after what we've just done here. In a few hours, I'll probably be ready for a little more. But uh, seriously, our Savior did without sustenance here, 40 days and 40 nights. It says very straight, it says he was afterward and hungered. I'm sure he was. In his human being, his, uh, his human element, Thinking it not robbery to be equal with God, he became a man. And uh, I'm thankful because the Bible says he's a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities in the book of Hebrews because he was tempted at points, yet without sin. Now Jesus can relate and succor us, comfort us in every trial, every temptation. He can strengthen us because he knows what we're going through. He's been there. But here, the devil comes at him at a weak and trying time. He's a hungered. Forty days and forty nights, I'm sure, has sapped him of his physical strength, except he be the man. Knowing the word of God, he perhaps would have failed, but he didn't fail. He passed the test with flying colors. The devil comes to tempt him to try to dissuade him of who he is and what he is and what he's going to do for mankind. So the devil comes, and uh, in verse 3 it says, And when the tempter, 
came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So he comes in the place of weakness and that craving for something to eat. And he said, look, you, if you're God, you can just let these stones be made the best of all bread that's ever been known. I walked by the uh, Baker's Delight in the uh, mall there the other day, and I was ever so tempted. I, um, I've really been trying. I have been. Maybe not enough trust that the Lord would help me. But I got next to that Baker's Delight, and I, I wanted to just go up there and say, I want one of everything. And uh, I did. I just walked to the other side. It felt like Sam Jones years ago. He was an alcoholic when he got saved. And uh, God never gave him a real victory over the, the booze, except that he gave him strength to walk around the pub. He'd walk on the other side of the street so he wouldn't smell the devil's brew. But, uh, you know, I, I like ink that's just come out of the oven with about a half pound of real whole milk made butter. I don't care what these crazy people talk about. I don't care about cholesterol. And I don't really care about anything but whole milk, butter, and fried chicken. <laughs> it shows, I know. But my, it's some good to cut into a piece of that fresh baked bread and slather it with butter and then get the Vegemite and stir it in there. Put a cocoon cheese on there, a little peanut butter, and down she goes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I've got some people on my side. If you never tried it, go ahead. Brother Weeks, you like Vegemite? Yes, I do. My wife grew up with Vegemite. She doesn't like it. The poor thing likes Promite. <laughs> I like that savory sting on the end of your tongue when you bite into something with veggie on it. Mm. Let's set it back up again and bring out, a, bring out some veggie. You could eat a lot more of that quiche with veggie. <laughs> but the, the thing is this, I walked by Baker's Delight and man, I was so tempted. The, the flavor was just wafting out of there, hot bread. and They're doing more than just bread these days, man. They're making all kinds of things out there and it, it just looks great. And so I ran to the side and bought an orange. <laughs> Didn't work much good in me, but I did. I, I promised myself. But you know when you're hungry, I mean you've worked hard and you're a hungered. There's not much that can keep you from finding something to eat. It's kind of like the story I heard of an evangelist, not me. I would never do such a thing. But he went home with uh, a family for lunch after church. And the lady had prepared eight beautiful lamb chops. 
big ones, not the little tiny, but the big ones, thick, tender, soft, beautiful, juicy. And she told her five children, listen, there's only eight chops. Your dad gets one, you five children get one, that's six, and your mother gets one, that's seven. And I've got the story wrong. <laughs> See, I can't even count anymore. I'm so old I forgot, it's nine chops. You get the idea, don't you? The evangelist gets one. So what's that mean? There's one left over. The lights went out and there was a horrendous scream. When the lights came back on, there were seven forks stuck in the evangelist's hand. <laughs> His hand was wrapped around that chop. Anyway, you'll get the punchline later. <laughs> Never been any good at telling jokes. Make more telling sad stories about myself. I make more headway. But uh, when you're hungry, time of weakness in a sense comes and he says if you turn these stones into bread because you say you're the son of God you should be able to do it it would be perfect and it would satisfy your hunger and how did Jesus respond it says he answered and said it is written it is written what is written Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, devil. It is written, I can get my sustenance, if necessary, from just the written record of God. It's health to the bone and health to the navel, the psalmist said. The word of God. He goes again, and he's, the devil taketh him up to the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the, tabernacle, of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. Here's the perversion of the word of God. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands shall, or they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus rebukes him by saying, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know, the devil's trying to beguile the Lord Jesus Christ even with the very word of God. And he did that in the garden. He said, yea, hath God said. And he's done it to you and I different times, perhaps. With the word of God, he twists it and turns it and we don't uh, discern it properly or we don't ask God's help in understanding it. The devil comes and causes a stir in our soul and the opposition to the truth begins to rise up within our old nature and pretty soon we're fuming and carrying on over some little storm in a teacup down at church. Somebody missaid something. Listen, I had Ahaz married to Jezebel the other night.
And I didn't stop to correct it because I figured it would take away from the message. God didn't allow me to sleep hardly a wink until I promised him that I would humble myself before the congregation and say, listen, I blew it big time. You know, when you're trying to prepare messages all the time and you're reading different scriptures, and I came has and Ahaz was not married to Jezebel. Who was? Ahab. So I stood up before the congregation. There's a little tidy work here to do. I said, uh, Jezebel was married to Ahab, not Ahaz. And everybody went, yeah, we know that. And I said, nobody said anything about it. And uh, they said, well, we didn't think we had to. They were very gracious. <laughs> and they said, we forgive you, Brother Glenn. They knew I had jet lag. At least that was the excuse. God let me wrestle with that throughout the night. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that we are to study to show ourselves approved a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we don't ever get to the place where we need to stop studying. Amen? Get it right. Be a Berean. Thrash it out. Make certain that the doctrines are correct. But the devil comes along and wants to stir us up about something of really no importance. Just maybe a miscommunication or whatever. But the Lord answered him and said, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So then again, verse 8, The devil taketh him into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus, still a hungered, still in weakness, humanly speaking, said, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. He was in a place where he needed to be ministered to. But he still was able to war a good warfare by saying what? It is written. So as our heavenly, blessed Savior and example, we can do the same. That's why we need to know the Word of God. That's why we need to study it. We need to memorize it. We need to peruse it. We need to use it to examine the facts of any decision we're about to make. We need to look in there and find the principles. We need to understand that this book, a living book, can speak to us from any part of it to direct us and to help us, to strengthen us, to edify us, and to build us up in the most holy faith, this wonderful book. It is written. Let me ask you a question. Is it not written that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? It is. It's written. It's not going to change. It's concreted into the foundations of glory. It is written. He that cometh unto me I will in no wise 
cast out. It is written, my Father which gives them me. It is written, no man shall pluck them out of my hand. It is written, and on and on and on we could go tonight. What a great blessing that is to my soul and yours that it is written. It's just not some fairy tale. It's just not somebody's figment of imagination. But it has been written so that you and I can be firm in our understanding of the foundational principles of God and how to live them. What a wonderful truth. It is written. Go back just a little bit for a moment back in John. But these are written. What? These truths, these records that I've wrote, written down here, these are written that ye might believe. You can make a choice. You can... Read the sign at the end of the street here where it says S-T-O-P. It's written. It's there. The authorities have put it there to keep order and safety for the general public. And yet some hoon feels like he is not under the authority of anybody, and he can go through that stop sign without ever paying it any mind time and time and time and time again, and yet there will come a time when somebody, a little child perhaps crossing the road, will die because of his disobedience to that which is written. We've all seen it. We've all known somewhere, some time in our life where thing has been written for our instruction, for our benefit, for the benefit of our fellow man, and it has been uh, ignored, it has been uh, disregarded, uh, maybe not just once, but maybe lots of times. And somebody has paid a very dear price for that disobedience. But even more so when it comes to spiritual truth here. It's written, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. It is written, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. It is written, I am the resurrection and the life. He that come to me, I'll no wise cast out, but uh, I'm the resurrection and the life. And we can have resurrection life as we trust the Lord Jesus. It's written. Yet people ignore it. People mock it with their lack of trust and obedience. It is written that you might believe. I'm so grateful that there's something which has been given by God that we can not just believe but trust completely. More so than the devils. James chapter 2 says the devils believe in people. But you and I can believe and apply it and be saved. 
that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing he might have life through his name. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus said, I've come to give them life, to give it to them more abundantly. It's written. What a wonderful blessing. Now here comes the questions. Do you love what's written? Has there come a time and a place where you have decided that this wonderful Bible that God has given us is the most valuable thing that you will ever have? <laughs> I've had some things of value in my life as far as the world is concerned. I was uh, up in Andamooka uh, many years ago, the Opal Fields. And uh, a gentleman said to me up there, he said, Brother Weeks, uh, uh, I'd like to have you come downstairs for a little bit. So I went downstairs, and he laid out a tray of beautiful opals in front of me. And he said, you can have any one that you want. And I said, I can't do that. I mean, you work hard to get these opals, and these are your livelihood. I, I just would feel that that wouldn't be wrong for me to just pick one that I wanted. But I already had my eye on one, <laughs> I'll be honest. And uh, he said, no, no, no. He said, we, we really want you to have one, take it and maybe get it set for your wife or something. And, you know, Jennifer's paid a great price in the ministry. She's been very faithful over the years to keep me going. And uh, doesn't get in on all the good things that I get on. So I said, well... As long as you say that you'd like to give it to Jenny and I'd be fine, I'll go ahead and pick one out. And I grabbed it just like that. <laughs> I held it in my hand and turned it in the light. And I said, you know, that's, that's absolutely beautiful. He said, well, you picked the best one in the box. I said, I did? He said, yeah. Oh, I said, I didn't. He said, well, you're welcome to it. Take it home and get it. So I did. I took it home to Florida. And found a jeweler that when he saw it, he said, where, where did you ever find such a beautiful opal? I said, I'm not telling you. He said, how much did you pay for it? I said, nothing. He said, you stole it? <laughs> I said, no, I didn't steal it. I said, a man gave me. He said, he, did he get his head red the next day? It's a beautiful stone. It looks like Ayers Rock. It's almost the same size. Or Ulera, excuse me. But, um, I mean, it's a, it's a magnificent stone. And uh, I thought, my, I don't know of any other preacher that's ever been treated so. Have a nice stone like that to give to his lovely wife. If that's happening, don't tell me because I'm living in my own little cocoon here. And uh, so I took it and I got it set and presented it to my lovely wife and she said oh thank you so much that's that's my birthstone I said well that's good I didn't I, I, I didn't tell her I didn't, didn't know that but I, <laughs> I that's that's just wonderful how God works these details out you know and so she thought a lot about me after I gave her that lovely stone you know she wore it and I said you know sweetie that's a very valuable stone I said uh, you need to be really careful when you wear that out in public 
As a matter of fact, you probably shouldn't wear it out in public because people are going to think I make a lot of money preaching. And I just want you to cover it up and hide it. And uh, so she, uh, she put it in her jewelry case, and then I said, look, you know, I know these thieves. The first thing they're going to head for is the jewelry. So I think what we better do is we better insure it. And she said, do you think so? I said, well, sweetie, I know it's an expensive piece of uh, jewelry. I, uh, I didn't tell her how much it cost just to get it set. But it, it was enough to make me go without my lunch for a lot of years. <laughs> but uh, anyway, to make a long story short, we got it insured on our homeowner's policy. And uh, going along, going along. Pretty soon I looked in the box there one day and I said, uh, where's the rock? And she said, oh, I said, look, I, uh, I thought our daughter could use it. I said, really? <laughs> you gave it to our daughter? I mean, tell her husband to give her something. I mean, when, when he asked me for her, I gave him. I'd have been taking it back. He's, he's got her. He's going to look after her. Don't come to me looking for anything. Came looking for her, and I gave her to him. But the wives sometimes, they, oh, well, she says, I don't wear it that much. And Victoria, you know, she's doing some of these events now, and it would be a nice thing for her to have to wear. And so she gave it away. It's amazing how valuables come and go. I, uh, I really have to look for things when I go home because my wife has a rule. If it doesn't move in six months, it's out of here. And that could be my golf clubs. It could be a fishing rod. It could be anything. And if it hasn't moved, she's going to sell it in the next garage sale. And I've had to threaten her to leave some things where they sit, even though the golf clubs haven't moved in six years. I may want to one day. Does me good just to go out in the garage and look at them, even though they're under the dust. I've had some valuables over the years. Um, you have too, sure. Maybe not the ultra wealth that some people have, but I'm going to tell you something. You could own the gold in every mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. It could all be yours, and you wouldn't have what you'd have right here. This is more valuable than a gold of Ophir. This wonderful book. It is written. It is written for you and for me and for our benefit and for our blessing. Therefore, Lord, give us a greater appreciation. Oh, soul, are you weary tonight of the world's dross? Get under the word of God for a little while and get the joy of the Lord back in your life. Believing the promises that are yea and amen in Jesus Christ. Trusting the Lord for his guidance and direction. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. If you had no other promise than that, he'll direct your path through this life and right on into glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the hour when it's our prayer that you would bless every soul here tonight with that which is written forever settled in the heavens, unalterable, unchanging, Though man has tried to destroy it, the hammers of unbelief can never change it on the anvil of God's word. So I pray that you would work in our hearts in these days.
Magnify thy name. Multiply to God. Lift up the Lord Jesus. Let the Spirit of God bring glory and praise in the church of Christ. We'll thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn.